Let me read Psalm 92. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to his name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord, how profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evil deers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Good evening, everybody. Let's um, pray as we come to, to God's word. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. And Lord, we want to exalt you this evening as we hear from you and as we take to heart what you have to say to each one of us. We want to be those who are fruitful. And we know that we can only be fruitful as we remain in the vine, in Jesus Christ. So help us to remain in him, help us to remain in his word. Speak to us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, Mark preached on what it looks like to have a heart for the elderly, how we can respect them, how we can care for them, uh, how we can learn from them. Uh, Hopefully, it was an encouragement to all of you who may feel you're in that category. Um, I'm sure not many of you would consider yourselves old, um, but there's... You know, there's, there's no point denying it. We need to embrace new stages in life. They're all stages on a journey to heaven. Well, this evening is more of a challenge to all of us. How do we um, continue to live lives that are fruitful, whatever our age? Verse 12, that's a mark just read out for us there. Are great, uh, great verses, aren't they? The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Fresh and green. I don't know whether you consider yourselves fresh and green. Sounds a bit like an advert for for Granny Smiths, but um, um, it's talking about us, if we are the people of God, if we are righteous people, then hopefully we are fresh and green. But of course, it's a different message, isn't it, from the one we hear from the world around us. You know, the message of the world is once you've, you've done your bit, once you've retired, um, you're entitled to 
to put your feet up a bit, draw your pension, ride on the buses for free, join a golf club, go on a cruise, whatever it is that takes your particular fancy. Well, there's none of that here, is it? They will still bear fruit in old age. So what we're going to be looking at this evening is what does it mean to bear fruit? Because we are Christians here this evening, um, whatever age we should be bearing fruit. So how can we do that? We need to praise the Lord for his good works, which is what we've been doing this evening, isn't it? Uh, now, there's a bit of a caricature, isn't it, that goes with old age of grumpy old men and women. Um, after all, things are never as good as they used to be. Why is customer service so bad these days? You know, why are there so many bad drivers on the road these days? Why are there so many cars on the road these days? Why do we get so many cold calls these these days? And we can easily fall into this despair about our own failing health. You know, why does my back ache so much? Why can't I see without glasses anymore? Why can't I hear so clearly anymore? But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it says, Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. There you go, biblical wisdom. And I think there are two reasons why we shouldn't do that. Well, one is to do with fruitfulness, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. If you're always looking back, then you, you will miss the, the, the opportunities that God gives you in the present. But the other reason is to do with God. He is sovereign. He, he is in control, and he never changes because he is perfect. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means the effect of what he has done, of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, which we celebrated just now, that never changes. And so one way to protect ourselves from the, the attitude of grumpiness is to remember, to meditate, to focus on God's goodness. This one says it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. Proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. To praise God is to speak of his goodness, to speak of his, his greatness, to speak of his good character and his good deeds. And it can be really helpful to do that with the, the use of music and that we're privileged to have a, a group playing and leading us as we had this evening. Because that can help us to, to have that goodness known to us in, in a deeper way, in a way that engages our, our emotions. And two aspects of God's character mentioned here are God's love and his faithfulness. And we heard from, from Thelma about God's faithfulness to her. To proclaim that in the morning and at night is not to say that we need to stay up all night, but that we should be doing it continually. We should be proclaiming it to ourselves, and we should be proclaiming it to others. And as we were saying last week, there is a, a real joy in coming together to, to praise God. Remember Psalm 122 last week? I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And we heard again from Thelma just the, the rejoicing of being with God's people. I could use loads of what Thelma said this evening to apply what we're looking at here this evening. It's, it's all, it's all great stuff. But when the psalmist here talks about, um, proclaiming God's love 
and his faithfulness. It's not just thanking God for those aspects of his character. It's also thanking him for the specific ways in which he has shown his faithfulness to us. Which is why he continues, look down in verse 4. It says, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. What are these great things that God has, has done for us? Well, the two greatest things that God has done are creating the world and redeeming the world. He has made the world. He's, he's created us. He's created everything that we can see around us. So let's appreciate that. Let's give glory to God for that. Let's uh, look around us. Let's admire everything that we see. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be blind to the ugliness of the world around us. Let's not airbrush that out of the picture. Let's not shield ourselves from it and pretend that it doesn't exist. Let's be aware of the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of people's lives, because that reminds us of the other great thing that God has done, God's redemption. The fact that he sent his son into the world to release us from our captivity to sin, from the guilt of sin, from the power of sin. No, Jesus didn't come to, to earth and spend the whole time in the temple with those who thought they were, they were righteous because they led respectable lives. He went to the broken. He went to, to the sick. He went to, to the sinners. We're told in the description to this psalm, have a look in your Bibles, it says there a song for the Sabbath day. This is the only psalm in, in the Bible which has that, for the Sabbath day. And um, various commentators have tried to understand, well, what exactly does that mean for the Sabbath day? Well, I wonder if the clue is um, is in the Ten Commandments. If um, we go to, well, we won't need to go now, come up on the screen, Exodus 20. Uh, there it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the reason it gives is, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. So one reason for keeping the Sabbath uh, holy, for keeping it special, is to reflect on and enjoy God's creation. That's one of his great works. But in Deuteronomy 5, where we have the Ten Commandments repeated, it gives a different reason. Now there it says this, it says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So the reason given here for keeping the Sabbath holy is to reflect on God's redemption and the rescue of his people from slavery in Egypt, which pointed to the greatest rescue that came later, the rescue from sin. So we've got God's two great acts here, God's act of creation and God's act of redemption. Those are God's two great deeds that he performed for all humankind. Now that's, that's, that's at the macro level, but then let's thank God for his mighty work in our individual lives. Thank him that he's redeemed us, that we belong to him, that, that he is our father, that, that he, we have the gift of the, the Holy Spirit. We have eternal hope to look forward to. 
And thank him for the way he works in our lives on a daily basis. Thank him for removing our fears about that thing that um, causes so many sleepless nights. Thank him for giving us strength to cope with that difficult situation. For giving us grace to deal with that, that awkward person. Thank him for enabling us to forgive that, uh, that person who has caused us wrong. To be fruitful people. We need to be grateful for people. And we need to be continually praising God um, for all his love and all his faithfulness. Well, secondly, we need to be those who focus on eternity. There's a lot in this psalm about God's enemies. Um, they're called different things here. It calls them senseless people, fools, the wicked, evildoers, adversaries, wicked foes. And the frustration of the psalmist in the psalm is that these people seem to flourish. Look at verse 7. It says, they spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish. It's a bit like Psalm 73 where, where the psalmist writes there, he says, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong, they are free from common human burdens. But what God makes clear here and in that psalm is that such people may flourish for a short while. They may have great lives here on this earth, but ultimately, if this is all they live for, for this life, that will come to an end when they die. Because then they will perish. And in some of the, the words used in this psalm, it talks about them being scattered, defeated, routed. God will not allow people to be his enemies forever. They, he will not allow them to reject him forever. He won't allow injustice to continue forever. He may allow it for, for a little while, and it's difficult sometimes to understand his reasons for that. But we have to trust that he, he knows what is best. But ultimately, we live in a, in a broken world because... Humans have decided that they think they know best. They've decided they want to be their own God. But right in the middle of this psalm is that verse which Rob read for us earlier. In verse 8 it says there, and it's, it's almost the, the, uh, the pinnacle of this psalm. It says, but you, Lord, are forever exalted. Our problem is that we can only um, focus on the here and now, and often we can't see beyond the problems of today. But that's a tiny snapshot of time compared to eternity. And God is an eternal God. He, he sees everything. Those who are a little bit older here this evening will remember in their own lifetimes, um, when even in this country, people embraced more of the Christian values. Uh, when it was absolutely fine for a doctor to pray with a patient, when it wasn't left to people to determine their own gender, when the life of the, the unborn child was, was respected and valued, when church going was still a common thing. And when we hear about the state of the church in the UK and listen to the folly and the wickedness of those who would seek to destroy Christianity, we have a choice. We can get depressed. We can look back to the, the good old days with rose-tinted spectacles, or we can focus on eternity, and we can rejoice that God will always be exalted. 
who can rejoice in the, the hope of heaven. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And Paul continues, I would prefer to be away from the body and with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Our time here on earth is limited, so we we need to make the most of it. We need to store up treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. And that means treating every day as if it were our last. It means holding lightly to our earthly possessions. After all, we can't take them with us, can we? It means learning contentment in, in each and every situation. And it means having concern for the spiritual well-being of others. That will have an eternal impact. To be fruitful means to be grateful. It means to be eternal. And in order to be able to do that, we need to finally to remain in Christ. The psalm finishes on a very positive note with the words I read out at the beginning. I'll read again. Let's just have a look at them here. Verse 12 onwards. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Now, of course, it does raise a couple of questions. Well, who are the righteous? And what is the key to to flourishing or or fruitfulness? Well, the righteous are those who are right with the Lord. Those who are living lives that are, are pleasing to him. And we learn from the New Testament, from the book of Romans, that this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. We can't earn that righteousness, that that, that standing before God. It is given to us as a gift. But if that's who the righteous are, then how do they flourish? What What is the miracle grow, as it were, for our spiritual lives? Well, there's nothing that, um, any of us, any human beings can come up with no miracle grow that will help us grow spiritually. And the great news is we don't have to. Um, all we are told in God's word is that we need to remain in him. We need to remain in Jesus Christ. And in this psalm, it is phrased in a different way that focuses on being close to God. It says there in verse 13, uh, being planted in the house of the Lord flourish in the courts of our God. And in the New Testament, the language used is to remain in the vine. Let's go to uh, that familiar passage in John 15. Can't really not go there when we're talking about fruitfulness. John 15, page 1083, if you've got a church Bible. Let me read from verse 5. Says that I, Jesus speaking, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As a Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. The key to to flourishing, the key to bearing fruit, is to remain in Christ. What does that mean? Well, how do we summarize those those few verses we've read there? Well, I think there are three key things which uh, are all interrelated uh, from those verses. Um, You can't really separate them out. And the first of those is that we need to depend on Jesus' power. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Our fruitfulness comes from Jesus. He's the one who makes it happen. Secondly, obey Jesus' words. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, if you show yourselves to be my disciples, if you obey my commands, Jesus gives us all we need to know for living fruitful lives. It's all in his word. So we need to read it, we need to obey it, we need to follow it. And thirdly, enjoy Jesus' love. It's his love that sustains us. As the Father has loved me, it says here, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Never forget my love. It's amazing, isn't it, to think that the the same love that the Father showed to his Son, we are able to enjoy ourselves. That love that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you be snatched out of my hand. It's the love of the gardener who, who loves his vine, who, who tends the branches, a love that wants the best for us. The thing is, as humans, we don't always know what is the best for us. And that's why when it comes to, to pruning, sometimes uh, it can be painful. I know whenever I prune my my rose bushes, um, I feel really bad that I've massacred them, and uh, yet they come through again with um, with even better growth. Sadly, it's the same for the, the weeds as well. Um, and for us, that pruning may mean suffering. Suffering that is tough at the time, but makes us much more fruitful in the long run. Makes us more Christ-like branches. But if these three things help us to be fruitful, to depend on Jesus' power, to obey Jesus' words, and to enjoy Jesus' love, um, we still haven't quite defined what it means to be fruitful. And the reason is because in some ways, the source of fruitfulness and the fruit itself are the same. Doing things in the power of Jesus, that is, that is fruitfulness. But it's also relying on the source of that. Demonstrating obedience to, to Christ, that is fruitfulness. Loving others as Jesus has loved us. That is fruitfulness. And if we are being fruitful, others will benefit from that. If we are obeying Christ's words, our lives will show more of the fruit of the Spirit. They will show more patience, more kindness, more joy. 
And others will benefit from that. If we enjoy Jesus' love, we will naturally want to love others with that same love. And that's why the command from Jesus in verse 16 is to go, to go and bear fruit. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So as we finish, um, briefly, what does that fruitfulness look like in practical terms? In everyday life, particularly if maybe if we are old. We've given a copy of this um, uh, book to, to all those who... Um, not sure how we decided whether they were old or not, um, but um, hopefully if you are considered old, you would have got a copy of that. Um, if you'd like a copy, come and have a word with us. If you did get a copy but you didn't read it, then make sure you do go and read it. But it is a very helpful book in terms of what that fruitfulness looks like in practical terms. Uh, just a couple of things as we finish. First of all, keep growing in godliness. Philippians 1 says, he who began a good work in me. And maybe that work was uh, 63 years ago. Maybe God began that work in you then. He says, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That work hasn't stopped. With most things in life, we, we sort of get to a certain level, don't we? And then we maybe start to decline as, um, as we get older. If we're playing football, we never can quite get that speed back we used to have. Since then, we hack them down, and I think that uh, might uh, might help. Maybe if we're we like cooking, maybe we um, we've got a certain number of meals we can cook, but we got to the point where that's enough now. I don't need to learn any new meals to cook. Maybe we play a musical instrument, and um, there was a time when we practiced every day, but now we're just happy to get it out occasionally and have a play. Jesus never expects us to stop growing in godliness. And the reason is that it doesn't depend on our health or our energy or our mental abilities. It depends on our relationship with God. And relationships grow better. They grow over time. You can't develop a deep relationship overnight. And we also need to be careful not to neglect that relationship as we grow older. Maybe in a way we've neglected human relationships. Keep growing in godliness. Secondly, keep praying. We keep that relationship with God strong. We keep it alive by spending regular time in prayer. Our prayer lives may change as we we get older. Maybe there are different things that we we grapple with and we need God's help with. Maybe different people we're, we're praying for. And one, uh, one key difference may be that in the past where we've been heavily involved in a, a particular ministry, uh, that has almost taken up our prayer lives as we've prayed for that ministry, for the fruitfulness of that ministry. Well, maybe as that involvement has uh, um, subsided, maybe we've got more time to actually pray for a variety of ministries and show, uh, show interest in them. Maybe you've been a, a leader in a particular ministry in the past, um, and that means you know the specific challenges that those leaders now are facing. You can pray for them more effectively. Thirdly, disciple the younger generation. And we looked at this a little bit this morning. Psalm 71 says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds. Even when I am old and grey, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power 
to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. As a mature Christian who has um, experienced God's grace through, through various trials in life, you have a lot of wisdom to pass on to the younger generation. And I'm not just talking about specific um, advice here. You pass it on in the way you behave. You pass it on in your godliness, through demonstrating a joy in your heart, a contentment in all circumstances, humility in your relationships. Conversely, uh, maybe if you show sadness or frustration and pride, you can also be a stumbling block to to younger Christians. So pray, pray against that. And finally, keep proclaiming. Keep proclaiming. We can tell people about God's goodness whatever age we are. Because God is an eternal God. His deeds last forever. But also because he is still doing things in our lives. Um, and we want to tell others about them. Don't just wait for the big answers to to prayer, but show others your gratitude in the way God has answered those small prayers in your life. Show them you're dependent on him in everything. You may think um, it becomes harder, maybe as uh, you get older, as your health declines, but at the same time, that gives you more opportunities to point people to God. So let's uh, finish before we sing our final hymn with those last few verses again. They'll appear on the screen, just look at them, reflect on them. And we'll have a moment in a minute just to reflect on our own fruitfulness and to ask God to show us the areas in our lives where we can become more fruitful. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him.